I know you all know me by now, so I'm going to have you stay on your feet. <laughs> Before I go any further, I do have to laugh a little. Because if I ever wondered whether you actually really love me, if I was ever wondering how much you are inclusive of me, this weekend proves that you really do love me because on the weekend that you're celebrating your independence from me, I'm the one speaking to you. So, so you're welcome. So, you're not that independent after all, is all I'm saying. You still need a good Brit up here every now and again. So, I love this nation. It is uh, my nation as much as England is my nation. I have citizenship in both. And, uh, and I love that I get to be part of this family. You are definitely family to me. And I want to thank you at the beginning for releasing and allowing your senior pastors, Pastor Jeremy and Jen, to take a sabbatical. I want to tell you how important that is. You know, when you're pouring out all the time and in the Word and serving the people of God, it is draining. It is taxing. And when a church understands we need you to rest so that you can go the long haul and do the distance, that is a rare thing. And so I want to say, and they've not asked me to say it, I want to say to you, church, as a family, thank you for looking after those who are before God on your behalf on a regular basis. Thank you for investing in them as much as they invest in you. And I'm just glad I get to fill the spot today so that they can have the day off. But I thank you for that. So before we open the Word together, we're just going to take a moment and pray and ready our hearts. I have a word on my heart that I just wrote just for you today, and I know that God's going to use it to help you if you allow Him the access that this will require from you. So God, we thank you today that you are a speaking God. We thank you today that, God, you do promise us freedom. But God, we have an awareness in this moment that it's freedom that we must take. That God, you've already done all that you could ever do to give us the freedom. And yet, God, you look to us to take that freedom, to grab a hold of that freedom, to claim that freedom. And today, I pray you would wake up and shake up anyone who is sleeping and slumbering, anyone who's fallen asleep to the fact that there's so much more freedom to experience in you. God, I pray today for breakthroughs. I pray today for answers. I pray today for wisdom wisdom of how to do our life better. And God, I pray today that I would get out of the way so that you can have your way. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may take your seats. Well, I know that you have been in the book of Proverbs, and I find myself in the middle of that series that you are in for this summer. And so when Pastor Jer asked me to think about the book of Proverbs and what God would use it for me to teach you today, um, it kind of fell in, in the same time as I was actually doing something that I'm not proud to admit I was doing, but in order to make the connection with the message, I'm gonna have to admit my sin. And I was actually in the middle of doing a speed awareness course. 
Anybody knows what a speed awareness course is? You don't do them for fun. You do them because you are going too fast on the freeway. And in England, we have a lot of things called speed cameras. And one particular speed camera decided to take my photograph so they could see who it was that was breaking the law. And so I was doing my due diligence to do a speed awareness course when Pastor Jess said, hey, could you come? And we're in a series on Proverbs. And so as I'm in the speed awareness course, because the Lord uses all these things together for our good, he took my session in the speed awareness course and brought my attention to something that the instructor was reminding the drivers of. And he said this, he said, you know, a lot of collisions are highly avoidable. In fact, one of the greatest causes of collisions on the road is actually because drivers do not understand the importance of their proximity to the vehicle in front of them. They're going too fast and not allowing enough space between them and the other vehicle. And therefore, even if they did not do something foolish, if the person in front of them does something foolish, they will be implicated because they don't have enough space to stop and create a, a breaking distance to prevent them from the collision. And as the instructor began to teach us this principle in my speed awareness course, I felt the Holy Spirit say, and so it is for my people in the spiritual, that you're doing life so fast and so quickly oftentimes that you don't judge the proximity of your life correctly. And we get way too close to things that we have no business being close to. And we get way too comfortable with a small distance between us and something that ultimately could wipe your life out. And I'm here to remind you today that some of you have got proximity issues in your life. And if you don't deal with it, it will deal with you. And today I want to help you because to me, the entire book of Proverbs, if I was to summarize what I think the book of Proverbs is, I think it's God's gift to give you parking sensors for your life. Like when I read the book of Proverbs, it, it, it feels to me like those sensors on your car. You know when you're getting too close to something and it goes beep, 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 and then you ignore it, like, I'm good, I'm good, I can totally back up, I'm totally got loads of space. And so you keep backing up, and then it gets angry with you, and now it doesn't beep nicely, it's like beep, 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 it's like letting you know, I am warning you that there are, there's something you're getting super close to, and if you don't pay attention to me, it's going to end up costing you, because you're going to hit something you shouldn't hit. I think the book of Proverbs are your soul's parking senses. Like the book beeps at you, and then the angry beeps at you. Like, like Proverbs 1 is like, don't hang out with folly, beep, beep. Proverbs 14 is like, I already told you, don't hang out with folly, beep, 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 beep. Like, like the thing gets angry if you don't listen. And so I read Proverbs, and it's like Proverbs 4, verse 14. Do not, beep, beep, set foot on the path of the wicked. Or walk in the way of evildoers. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Beep, 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 beep. Turn from it and go on your way. For they cannot rest until they do evil. They are robbed of sleep till they make someone stumble. It's letting you know, don't get so close. 
Don't back your life up to the way of the wicked. What about Proverbs 13, verse 20? It's saying, hey, walk with the wise. This is proximity you need for your life. But you better stay away from the fools because a companion of fools is going to suffer harm. It's letting you know just by being close to a group of fools, you will get hurt. Just by putting your life in the proximity of foolish conversations and foolish behavior, you will be implicated. It's letting you know this is not good proximity for your life. Proverbs 14 verse 7, stay away from a fool for you will find no knowledge on their lips. Proverbs 22 verse 24, do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Hello. Do not associate with one who is easily angered or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. It's like giving us some really good wisdom about what you should be close to and what you should stay way away from. The book of Proverbs is trying to let you know, hey, I'm making this really obvious for you. you you're wondering why you're getting in trouble by hanging out with the angry person? It's because your life's too close. What's on them is getting on you. It says in Proverbs 26 verse 17, and we could all amen this one, like one who grabs a stray dog by the ears is someone who rushes in to a quarrel not their own. Hello? Some of you are right now in the middle of, of tension and anxiety, and it's not even your issue, but you've allowed the family's issue to become your issue. You've allowed the kid's issue to become your issue. And it's like grabbing a dog by his ears. I don't recommend you go out today and grab a stray dog by the ears. And if you're not sure what will happen, go ahead give it a shot. And as you are going to the ER to get an injection because of the bite that is in your butt, remember what Proverbs tried to warn you. It's not difficult and yet we so miss it because we're doing life so fast and things happen and we allow things to get way too close because we don't have the book of Proverbs beeping loud enough in our ears to go, hey, I don't think I should get involved in this. I don't think I should comment on social media about this. I don't think I should read the Facebook post on this. I don't think I should be picking up this and reading it. Why? Because when you give something proximity, you give it permission. Like, like even if you're not trying to give it permission, you already did because you got so close. You allowed it to, to be vulnerable by you. You allowed yourself to be vulnerable to it. Remember when we went through COVID? Hello? Remember the thing that we, they made us do? Social distancing. Why did they make us do that? Because if you were carrying the disease, it was your proximity to another that allowed the disease to spread. And it's the same with negativity. It's the same with stress. It's the same with dysfunction. It's the same with temptation. If you allow it close, you're giving it permission. So when I read the book of Proverbs, I'm like, okay, Lord, I get it. Beep, 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 beep. Some of y'all you need your parking sensors to be renewed. 
I need to get back in this book and start reading it again and start seeing, man, there's some things that I put in the wrong space and the wrong place in my life. And so as I'm reading the book of Proverbs and God speaking to me about how to help you today, I feel God begin to remind me of a story in the Bible. It's not in the book of Proverbs, but I love Proverbs is the practical. And now I wanna show you actually how you work out this principle in your life. I like to see a story because in a story, I see my story. And so there's a story in the Bible where the proximity piece was missed. There was a proximity problem and it almost cost an entire people the loss of everything they'd worked so hard for. In the book of Nehemiah is where we find this story. If you've been around church for any length of time, you've probably referenced the book of Nehemiah on several occasions. It's a book that's all about a man that really believed that God's people needed to get back to God's word, to God's law, to worshiping, to getting around the things that God had called them to. He, he was a man, was Nehemiah, who knew the people of God need to rebuild the walls of God. They need to rebuild Jerusalem. They need to get back around the book of the law. They need to get back to worship. So he was trying to get the people of God back to the right proximity. And so we read in the book of Nehemiah how he works hard to rally the people and they begin to build and they begin to put the walls back up and they begin to get the worship back and they begin to get the book of the law back. And we get all the way up to chapter 10 through to 12 and we see that they've been successful. They've had opposition. They've had resistance, but they get it done. They get the project done. And at that time in 10 to through to 12, they're celebrating. It talks about how the people signed a covenant. This is what we're gonna now do. We're going to worship regularly. We're going to pray regularly. We're going to come back to that place of proximity to the things of God. So you would think, wow, that's awesome until you get to the chapter 13. After all that success, after resisting the enemy, chapter 13 is a shocker. It's a shocker. And I need you to see what happened in chapter 13 because here's what happens with the enemy. The enemy tried through the book of Nehemiah to stop the build. Came with a full frontal assault to the people that were building the walls. But together they were able to resist and they had a strong leader who said, I don't think so. And the enemy will often try and attack our front and often our front is strong. Like when we're around the people of God, when we're in the Word of God, when we're in an atmosphere like this, we feel strong. But when the enemy can't get through the front door, he will go and try and find a back door. And I'm here to let you know, over this summer, I feel urged by God to say to you, City First today, over this summer, you better check your back door. Because here's what I've found. Summer's a weird season. Right, like, like you start off in January like, I've got a resolution, I'm going to make a difference, I'm going to give up that habit, I'm going to do great and you get in a small group, you start tithing and giving and showing up and then summer kicks in. You're like, woohoo, going on vacation, need my tithe money back because I got vacation. Don't have time to come to church because I'm laying in the pool, because I'm on vacation. It's summer. 
And all of a sudden our guard goes down. And our back door is open. And it's amazing to me how we can have six months where we build a wall like Nehemiah did. And then we have a summer season in our life where we allow a back door open. And then we have to come back in the fall and we're like, man, I have to start all over again. I want to say to some of you, your life is Groundhog Day. And you shouldn't be okay with that. You shouldn't be dealing with the same stuff this year as you were last year. Hello? You shouldn't be arguing about the same thing this year as you were last year. You shouldn't be hanging with the same dysfunction this year as you did last year. But whenever you leave the back door open, you're going to have this cycle happen in your life. You know, recently in England, we had the sun. Can I get an amen? You have it a lot more than we do. So we were all really happy to see the sunshine. And in England, when the sun shines, people lose their mind because we don't see it very often. And so we, in our own home, we were very aware of our house and our security. And we have our front door with the lock and we have alarms and all of that. But because it was sunny and because we got relaxed, we didn't realize that we'd left back doors open because we never normally open back doors because it's never sunny. And it was just in literally a 15-minute window that someone saw a back door of our property was open, came in the back door, stole a whole load of equipment from our home, and took off with it. And I was reminded again, man, my front door was strong, but the enemy is not looking at the front door. He's looking at the back door. He's looking at what you're doing in the internet that no one's looking at. He's looking at the conversation you're having you hope nobody will know about. He's looking at what you're reading when it's dark at night. He's looking at what conversation you're dropping in on. He's looking for a back door. So Nehemiah, people signed a covenant. We're all in. This is great. But Nehemiah goes away. Chapter 13. It says in chapter 13 that as Nehemiah goes away, after all of this that's happened, he puts a guy called Elisha in charge of the storehouse. The storehouse was very important. It was what they'd built to put the offering back in, the tithe back in, the portions for the priests back in. It was where the incense was for the worship. The storehouse was significant. It was the commitment to live the God-led life. And in the absence of Nehemiah, in the absence of anyone checking up, Elisha, who was one of the people that should have known better. It says Elisha was in charge of the storehouse, storerooms of the house of God, but he was closely associated. He had proximity with Tobiah and provided him a large room that was where they stored the grain, the offerings, the incense, the temple articles, the tithes, the new wine, the olive oil that was for the Levites and the musicians and the gatekeepers and the contributions for the priest. He allowed Tobiah to move in the back door. Now you might recognize the name Tobiah because if you read the book of Nehemiah, Tobiah was the enemy of this build. 
When you read through the book of Nehemiah, you'll find in chapter 2, verse 19, that Tobiah was trying to intimidate God's people from building the walls. In chapter 4, verse 7, you find Tobiah is plotting against Nehemiah. In chapter 6 through 1 to 11, you find that Tobiah is scheming against God's people and even paying a false prophet to prophesy against Nehemiah. Tobiah was known. But Tobiah couldn't get in the front door, so he just waits. <laughs> and you need to know something. The enemy's patient. He's like, okay, I, I see you right now in your youth group with everybody around you and all these people keeping you accountable, but I'll just wait till summer when no one's around you. And then I'll just come around that back door. And I'll just find my way right in, not just to the entryway, I'll find my way right into the storehouse right into the things where, where you would worship and you would read your Bible and you would, be, you would be before God about things. I'm going to come right into the place that can do the most damage. And Tobiah just bides his time. He's like, I'll wait till Nehemiah's gone and I'll wait till everyone's relaxed a little and then I'm going to use my proximity to someone on the inside. <laughs> Listen, when an army comes against you, you're ready for a fight. But when a brother betrays you, it will wipe you out. That's why the enemy often is just looking for proximity. How do I get in the back door of these people's lives? And so he moves in Tobiah. But the thing is, when you move the enemy in, when you give him a little space, when you give fear a little space, when you give anxiety a little space, when you give compromise a little space, it's not satisfied with a little space. It wants to take over the whole space. So when you allow the enemy to have a little space, the enemy goes, thank you for the little space, but I also have friends. I'm going to have a house party in your house. I'm going to invite my friends over. Hey, I fear I'm going to move in, but I have a friend called doubt. I'm going to invite doubt over. Oh, and I have another one called anxiety. I'm going to invite anxiety over. Oh, and I have another one called dispeace. I'm going to invite dispeace over. And before you know it, Tabiah had not only moved in, but it says he moved all his stuff in with him. And when his stuff moved in, guess what? God's stuff was moved out. So the incense for worship is moved out. The sacrifice of the tithe is moved out. The grain for people that, that serve God is moved out. All of a sudden, the stuff that should have been in the storehouse, listen, the enemy is going to move in and he will eat your seed. He will, he will take from you what your future needs of you. He will take your dream. He will take your peace. He will take your confidence. He will take those things because you allow proximity and now proximity has given permission. And so now Tobiah, the one that is the enemy, is living in the storehouse. And Nehemiah comes home. <laughs> and Nehemiah is not happy. And I need to say to some of you, you need to stop being nice. You're such a nice Christian. So nice. I like there's a time to be nice. But when the enemy is living in your marriage, we ain't being nice no more. 
When the enemy is ripping off your kids, we ain't being nice anymore. When the enemy is putting temptation in your teenager's bedroom, we ain't being nice anymore. When the enemy is eating the seed for your future, we're not being nice anymore. You're like, but Charlotte, it's summer. <laughs> Can we just have a nice summer word? Can we just have like a, a, a message today that makes me feel good? <laughs> but I don't feel that God has given me permission today to just make you feel good. On the weekend, by God's timing that I am on this platform speaking to you, a weekend when you're celebrating freedom, God is trying to help you today understand what freedom actually looks like, what it actually requires. And it says, Tobiah is in the storehouse. Everything's been moved out, but Nehemiah returns. And in verse seven, it says, Nehemiah came back to Jerusalem and he learned about the evil thing. Because it's evil. Call it what it is. It's not just a bad decision, it's evil. The evil thing that Elisha had done in providing Tobiah a room in the courts of the house of God. He starts to do something. It says, number one, he was greatly displeased. Some of you need to get greatly displeased. <laughs> like greatly. Not a little, greatly. I am really displeased. I am really annoyed with the enemy. Because if you don't get annoyed with the enemy, you won't do anything about it. You've got to be annoyed enough. It says in Proverbs 17, verse 13, if you repay evil with good, then evil will never leave your house. Hello? Proverbs 22 verse 10 in the message says, kick out the troublemaker. Like, boot it out. Some of you are like, oh, if you'd like to leave. <laughs> when you're ready. Don't want to offend, but I'd quite like it if you would go now. No. We're not negotiating. It's your space. It's your heart. It's your mind. It's your future. You get to kick the enemy out. So, Nehemiah did three things, and I want you to do the same three things this summer. This summer. Not next year. This summer, when the back doors open, I want you to do these three things. Number one, it says Nehemiah was greatly displeased. So what did he do? He threw Tobiah out and all the stuff that belonged to him, all the items he brought in. I need you this summer to evict the squatter. What is your squatter? What is squatting in your heart? What is robbing from you your future? You need to evict the squatter. And here's why. The longer a squatter stays, the more the squatter thinks it has rights. Oh, I've been here seven years. You don't get to evict me. Like this is where I live. Like, like no one's bothered me before. I've been living in this person's heart. I'm bitterness and I've been here seven years. You don't get to tell me to leave. I have rights. I own this person. 
I messed up their last relationship. I'm messing up this relationship. I'll mess up the next one. I have rights to be here. No, you have no rights to be here. You do not belong here. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. Evict the squatter. I don't know what the squatter is. Some of you, it's the squatter of your past. You know what? The promise of God cannot enter your heart while the past of your life is living in the front room. The children of Israel never evicted the squatter of their past. Therefore, they never got the promised land. They cohabited with their past. They talked about their past. They longed for their past. They wanted to go back. Even though back was in bondage and slavery, even though back was being tortured and hurt by their captors, they never got it out. They got delivered, but they never took the deliverance and did something with it. See, see, some of you, the enemy couldn't stop you from salvation because at the front door, it was strong. But what he will do is he'll come in the back door and stop you from transformation. <laughs> so you're saved, but that's it. You've not stopped anything. You've not changed anything. You've not repented of anything. You're living life exactly how you were, but now you're saved because you have allowed the back door to stay open so there's no transformation. Your life's not looking more like Christ because though you now know Christ, you're not allowing him to move into those areas of your life. You can't have the promise of your future when the problem of your present is living in that room. Something has to go. And Nehemiah was like, you're out of here. He was greatly angry. He was greatly displeased. He's like, you are, there's no more sharing. There's no more living in this place with me. There's no more being in a space you shouldn't be in. And I don't know what is squatting in your life, whether it's fear or whether it's temptation or whether it's some area of sin or whether, I don't know what it is, whether it's bitterness or anger, but I'm asking you, do you want to spend the rest of your life cohabiting with it? Evict the squatter. Tobiah is booted out. But secondly, it says this. He says he throws Tobiah out and all his stuff out. But then secondly, it says he gave orders that we need to now purify the room. It's not enough to just kick it out. You've got to purify the room. Because when sins lived in your house for a while, it changes the atmosphere. You ever been to a home where someone smokes and they might have quit smoking and they might not smoke anymore, but the smell, it's in the fabric, it's in the furniture, it's in the drapery because it, it's, it's filled the atmosphere for so long, it's changed the fragrance of the house. So when sin's been in your life or fear's been in your life, you can evict it, but it's left its aroma in the drapery, in the furniture. So you've got to purify the room. What does purify the room mean? It means you've got to get back to that place where you're like, God, I repent. I don't want this in my life anymore. God, I, I've said no to the sin, but there's still the memory of it. There's still the fragrance of it. God, I've said no to the fear, but I, it still creeps in. It's still lingering in the atmosphere. I need to purify the room. See, some of you in your marriage, you've got past the mistake, but it's still in the atmosphere. 
you're still angry, you're still questioning, you're still not trusting, it's in the drapery of your life and though the thing's out of your life, it might as well still be in your life because you've not yet purified the room. And so you have to get to a place, the Bible says in Joel, it says, don't rend your garments, rend your heart. Like rip that thing off. And some of you need to purify the room like this summer. You need to evict some squatters. You need to purify the room. God, I'm getting my worship back in this room. I'm getting my giving back in this room. I'm getting my prayer back in this room. I'm getting my repentance back in this room. I'm purifying the atmosphere. I don't even want to have a stench of its smell. Purified the room. And then finally, after, not before, after he purified the room, he gave orders to put back into the room all the equipment of the house of God, the offerings, the incense, everything that the enemy had taken out. He said, we get it back in. Why? Because if you leave the room empty, hello, the enemy will send another squatter to fill it. You don't leave that space empty. When you kick out the toxic relationship and you purify the room, you go find a God-sent relationship and you fill the space with a small group, with a youth group, with a leader, with a mentor. You fill the room. Fill the room. You take the soundtrack off that you know is wrong and you put the worship back on. You stop putting your money in the place that you know is a bad investment. You stop putting your money in the place that is, you don't leave a void. One day my kids will leave home. Let me just tell you something. When they're out of here, I take their room back. I'm gonna fill it so they can't come home anymore because I'm getting my room back. Like this is mama's house. But if I leave all their stuff, they're going to come home every five minutes. No, I'm going to fill the room because it's time for you to go fill your room, fill your life, fill your... And, and so many of us leave the room open. And then we wonder why the same problem comes back, the same temptation comes back, the same toxic relationship because you left the room. And Nehemiah said, fill the house again. Put back the grain. Put back the incense put back the portions. And then the Bible says this, as he put the stuff back, all the people came back to their post. When you put the stuff back, all the things start to come back to your life. When you put back the God stuff, joy begins to come back. Provision begins to come back. Answers and wisdom begin to come back. They can't come while Tobiah's there. There's some things that you're asking God to send to your life. And God's like, I can't send them till you evict the squatter. I can't send them till you purify the room. But once you start to put back in that room, what belongs in that room, peace will return. Joy will return. Faith will return. Vision will return. Happiness will return. And I just... I couldn't come and just give you a nice word today. I'm sorry. We're family. And I love you too much. I just really feel this summer, like even just the fact that it's, 
Independence Weekend. There's some things you need to start being independent of. There's some voices. There's some things that I feel like I'm in the spirit I want you to hear. Beep, 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 beep. You're way too close. You're going to burn. You're way too close to that fire. You're way too close to that relationship. You're way too close. Back your life up. Get the distance you need. Get the room cleaned so that when summer is over, you're not, you're not missing in action, but you're at your post. Some of you men in here, you need to get whatever it is that's in your side drawer out and get the Word of God back in it. You need to get off the internet and back on your knees for your marriage and your children and your family. Get back to your post as a praying husband. Get back to your post as a praying dad. Some of you women of God in here, you need to get back to the post of being the child of God that you're called to be. After all that Nehemiah labored to do, just simply leaving a back door open almost undid the whole thing. So today, city first, in every location, where is it time for you to get some proximity correction? Where is it time for you to evict some squatters? Where is it time for you to make some decisions to lock some doors? All across this room and all the other rooms on every campus, I want us to stand to our feet. God is here. Every time we open His Word, every time we humble our hearts, every time we say, God, speak, He speaks. And He doesn't come to chastise. He doesn't come to wag a judgmental finger. He comes to help you find freedom. He wants you to be free, but He's done His part. You must do your part. You gotta go and Get the freedom that is yours. You're going to go take the promised land that belongs to you. And so all across every location today, those online today, those in our behind the bars locations today, I don't know where this finds you, but there's an eviction. There's a purifying. There's a refilling of the storehouse for many of you today. And just I want you to close your eyes. And I just want to ask firstly this, if you today know there's something I need to evict. I've got too close to something. I've left a back door open. I, wa I want to get this right, God. I want to take action. I don't want to delay anymore. I just simply want us, if that's you, just to lift your hands with eyes are closed all around the room. We're just saying, God, there's just this area I know. So many of us, because it just happens. It just happens. There's no big, there's no big guilt you should feel in this moment. You should feel relief. Gosh, I'm not the only one. As you lift those hands, you're just saying, God, I know there's just an area. I just, it's a conversation. It's a person. It's something I'm, it's just something I know, God. So God, you see all of these hands that are raised. You know exactly the issue that this involves. You know exactly the wrestle that this involves. You know exactly the tension that these hands raised represent. And God, you are here to remind every single one of us today, there is nothing too difficult for you. 
that your power is sufficient, that when we are weak, you are strong, that you didn't just give us freedom, you gave us freedom indeed. And I pray today for every single person that's acknowledging, God, I need to make a change. God, I pray they will be courageous. I pray like Nehemiah, they will be greatly displeased at the things that they need to be displeased with. I pray today that they begin to act and evict the squatters. I pray today for the courage to purify the room. And I pray today that they will commit to restock the storehouse of their life with the good things that belong there. God, I pray wisdom today. I pray strength today. I pray freedom today. And as eyes are still closed, just lower your hands. I'm going to ask one final thing. And so many responded in the first service. And I know there's so many that need to respond in this service. I don't know where you are at with God today. Some of you, you're not close to Him. Your proximity is far from Him. You've run from Him. You're hiding from Him. You're living a double life. And today, there's the opportunity to come close Literally just to say, I'm not running anymore from you. I'm going to run to you. I want proximity with you, God. I want you in my life. I want to fill the storehouse with your words over my life. And maybe you've never prayed for God to be your father. And today, that is what is going to happen for you. But maybe today, you're far from God and you need to come home. And on every campus and online, I just want you in this moment to respond. If you're saying, that's me, I need to get my life back right with God. As eyes are closed, as you're at home and wherever you are watching this, just respond. And all you have to do is just lift your hand. Just signify online or in the room like, that's me today. I just need to get my life right. I need to come home. Come on, there's so many today. You didn't come expecting this today, but if you want real freedom, this is what it looks like. He's done all he can, so you have to do this bit. Lifting your hand is your bit, saying, that's me today, God. God, you see all of these incredible people that are raising their hand today. You see them in this room. You see them on the other campuses. You see them in our behind bars locations. You see them online. God, you see every single one. And God, as they lift their hand in this moment, God, you right now are grabbing hold of that hand and reminding them that you love them, that you forgive them, that you have freedom for them, that you have a fresh start for them. And today I pray would be a marked day, this Independence Weekend. I pray they would fully step into a relationship with you who the sun sets free, is free indeed. And I pray salvation and transformation and new beginnings in the name of Jesus. And all the church said, Amen and Amen.